Will Jose Ramirez have an extension soon? Who are some more possible trade candidates for this Guardians team? And let's talk about who got sent down to the minor league camp and what that means for Dark Horse Rookie of the Year candidate Steve Kwan on today's show of Locked On You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Sorry. <laughs> Trying to get all my data together, was opening something up and realized, oh yeah, I need to speak on the show here. Uh, my co-host is coming around the corner here, so expect to hear him any moment. Sorry about no show yesterday. I want to remind everyone, I am Jeff Ellis. I've been the host of Lockdown Guardian since its inception. Uh, this is going to be, after this, we'll be 20 episodes away from 700. That's right. 700 episodes. Yep, co-host. Uh, I'll do the flashdown. So here we go. If you get motion sickness, this is my warning. You want to say hi, bud? Yep, there's my 14-year-old tuxedo cat who uh, will have some strong takes throughout the show if you've never listened before. Uh, before I was the host of Lockdown Guardians, I wrote at Scout in 24-7 where I was a lead prospect and draft analyst. Uh, before that, I was an Indians baseball, Indians prospect insider. And uh, before that, I wrote on many places you've never heard of. Uh, one of them, like, uh, well, I wouldn't even try to pull one out. Uh, the Sports Pickle, for some reason, is a name that is in the back of my head. Uh, I don't know if that was a site uh, that I wrote for or I read at. I, you know, hey, enough about me. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. A quick shout out before we get in the show Silver Yoshi, who's a Braves fan. Thank you for multiple comments and for subscribing on YouTube. I appreciate you. Appreciate everyone who, you know, subscribe on YouTube, comments, uh, likes, uh, Downloads daily. Downloads when they can. Uh, I appreciate all of you. That's what I appreciate about you. Uh, so, Silvio, she was asking about, like, who could be in the scouting notebook from 1998? He, got, he was very intrigued. He's like, what about Pujols? Pujols was drafted in 2000. He was a college player. Asked about Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera signed in 99. If this had had a section about first-round picks, you know, about who's going to come up in the 1998 uh, draft... Then your best chances would have been Lance Berkman and Matt Thornton in terms of guys who are still playing. Essentially, you know, I sat down and did the math. You know, a very young player might sign at 16. A 16-year-old signing in uh, 1999 was born in 83. So, because uh, that's what Miguel Cabrera was. So if you look at it, if there was a player who was 15 when he signed in 96 and was a big bonus baby... Um, you know, maybe he could have made it. But when you look at, like, the oldest players around, I, I literally went to, like, every guy who was 39 or older. And there isn't one. So, yeah, I can, you know, the curious thing then becomes, like, honestly, who was the last man standing? In this book, maybe that's my next thing to go through and be like, okay, who was the last person in the scouting notebook who was left standing? Like I said, I promised I'd, I would do some things here. So let's just quickly pull something out uh, from this. Oh, I know it's great when people sit here and uh, flick through things, but I thought we'd go Cleveland Guardians prospects. Uh, Bruce Avon, first alphabetically. Again, you can't see it because the light uh, is so bright, but 
Uh, Avon is essentially a right-hand version of former Indians outfielder Brian Giles, a 30th round pick out of Lamar in 1994. He would produce maybe a bit more power and a bit less average than Giles. Avon has hit 64 homers in the last three seasons while climbing from Class A to AAA. He's an average runner and his only mediocre, mediocre tool is his arm. He has played all three outfield positions, though his best suited for left field. At age 26, he doesn't have much left to prove in the minors. He probably fits best as a fourth outfielder or platoon player. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, none of that happened, and it is kind of funny. Again, Jim Callis wrote that, like one of the great prospect geniuses of our time. And I'll say, like, in, like, OTPs and baseball moguls through the years, like, Bruce Avon, someone who gets turns into a pretty solid player. He only got 1.6 war for his career. Uh, he would surface in 1999 for the Florida Marlins. And by the way, that is his only complete year. And what do you do in that only complete year? 137 games, 440 plate appearances, a 112 OPS plus. He had 290, 370 on base, 444 slugging. Those are excellent numbers. Uh, the next year, 81 games, 176 plate appearances. It dips, 250, 284, 440 slugging. For a 725 OPS. An 81 OPS plus because it's the year 2000, so that's a little bit below. But definitely kind of feels like a guy whose career was a little bit um, unfortunate. That you know he, he debuted in 1997 for 20 plate appearances. 1998, he just kind of doesn't get an opportunity. I'm seeing if he got traded. No, they waived him in 98. <laughs> the Cleveland Indians did. Uh, and eventually he'd be traded uh signed by the Indians in February of 2002 and then traded for Jeff D'Amico to the Phillies in June of that year. So he came back to Cleveland. Um just one of those players unfortunately never got a real opportunity, but yeah, you can see even at that point in time like this is a guy who performed well in the minors. So that's kind of our little bit of fun offbeat off the wall a uh, bit of information. Solid performer. Go look up Bruce Avin. To get into the main thing about what we're going to talk about today though is let's so first let's talk about i guess i don't know do i say the elephant in the room the j ram in the room how about the fact that uh, the person who reported the kettle Marte signing first the person who's credited with uh breaking that mike rodriguez of, of univision uh at mike deportes the, the tweet you know he's a univision reporter um his English is better than my English, uh, let alone with this being a second language for him. He's a broadcaster and analyst and MLB insider for the Cubs and White Sox in Spanish, reporter for Univision Sports, MLB, and Univision. A new contract extension is coming for hashtag Jose Ramirez, star from Cleveland. We will be waiting for this good news. And then, um, the flag and a hand signing something. Follow closely. Hashtag ba- baseball, hashtag MLB. So... Um, I mean, that seems good, right? Again, this is the guy who was the first to report Kenel Marte's extension. Uh, Heyman gave him credit. Like, Heyman 100% said this is the guy who was first to it. So he clearly has some ties. Um, being a Univision reporter, you know, he has bilingual tweets. You see a lot of things in both things. Uh, he might have, you don't want to necessarily say better connections, but he has connections to both sides of it. So I think it is interesting to see that. Uh, hopefully more will follow. I do wonder. Yeah, because he, you know, he had the other tweet. Um, Una nueva extensión de contrato se acasera para José Ramírez, estrella de, la, de Cleveland, estramos uh, 
pidiante a este buena noche, er, buena noticia, dendole segmento de cerquera. Um, it's been about 15, nope, that's not even true. It's been about 20 years since I took Spanish. So uh, hopefully that uh, that is uh, not too badly butchered. Anyone out there who's bilingual, tell me how uh, terribly I did. But, you know, I, I'd be curious to see with an ex- uh, with that being fully translated, what the feel is. But it's, I mean, it's a good sign. Uh, obviously, this is someone who is, um, you know, he's locked in. He has connections. He knows. You don't just fall into being the first one to announce the Kettle Marte thing because the Kettle Marte thing was a surprise. Like, I don't think anyone really expected Kettle Marte to come out and get that jump. Uh, Ken Rosenthal also gave uh, him credit in that. So Rosenthal and Heyman both giving credit to this account uh, in terms of everything that happened with Kettle Marte. So, yeah, I think it's a positive sign. Hopefully things are moving forward. I still wonder if any extension can be announced until the whole thing of minority ownership, because I would think they want their shine on that as well. I don't know. But... Yeah, it's it's a positive. Let's put it that way. We have not had a ton to root for so far this offseason, if you are a Guardians fan. So let's just run with the positive. Like, yes, this is not necessarily substantiated. It's a solid source. Like, I'm not saying this person is not a solid source. This is a solid source. Uh, but it is one person. You typically want to see, you know, three is what the rule of thumb uh, in journalism. But I did want to bring it up specifically because it's been a rough offseason. I'll be honest, I had to... I had to. I I get to cut a Audacity promo, and the first one I did uh, was I mentioned the lockout. So I asked a bunch of us to redo it. The second one, Ross Jackson uh, came back and goes, "Your energy was pretty low, dude. Can you do it again?" And I'm like, "No, I understand why my energy's been low. I think anyone who's a Guardians fan, maybe the low energy ad uh, promo for the show would be like, "Oh no, he's feeling it as much as we are. He gets us. Maybe that's what I should come back and tell Ross. I'm gonna redo it." Uh, third time's a charm, hopefully, but that's it's it's been a deflating off season. I don't think there's any other way around it. Uh, so I wanted to run with something positive, something that makes him go, "Okay, this is going to happen. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. Are you believing it?" We're going to come back after our first break. We're going to talk about Cardinals. We're going to talk about the Padres. We're going to talk about why those teams in particular were the teams I was looking at roster resource uh, multiple times today and trying to figure out. Hmm. Is there a way for the Guardians to get better by talking to those two organizations? Our next partner has a product I've used every day. Uh, I started taking AG1 because, honestly, they sent it to me. Like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, I was curious. And this is, you know, if they send me a product, I'm going to try it. Uh, It is a supplement. And the first thing I'm just going to tell you is, like, it comes in like the nicest package and delivery maybe I've ever gotten. I opened it up, this huge box. Like you get this really nice tin. You get a water bottle, the scoops. Right now they have a deal where you're going to get uh, vitamin D drops, which are in there. You get the ones on the go. One lesson I learned, make sure uh, in terms of the powder itself, refrigerate after opening. That was my big mistake. Uh, I feel better when I was as I was taking this every day. Uh, it's got a little bit of a citrus smell to it. And you know, you're just getting all these vit- uh, vitamins and nutrients that are good for you. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, keto, paleo, vegan, 
dairy-free or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or anything, while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and awareness, and it's one of the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with uh, constant product iterations and third-party testing. Or how about Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company? In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old-growth rainforest. For every purchase, we donate to organizations helping to get nutritious foods to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the United States. In 2020, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020. And right now is the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into cold and flu season. Again, I want to point out, I have not been taking it regularly. If you notice the site cold, I did not have a cold when I was on it. Unfortunately, after I forgot to refrigerate is when I got sick. So I was healthy and then I came off of it and immediately, not immediately, but not long after that was much more susceptible and caught this cold. And right now to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immuno, um, immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first, uh, first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Uh, so I'm just going to be honest with everyone right now. Be like, why does he keep doing this? Like, is something wrong with him? Uh, if you're listening, you can't see. It's like I keep pushing on my chest. Uh, playing with my kid, and she didn't have a nap day today at daycare. And I went to... Like, pounce and she decided to kick at that moment so we had that fun moment of my momentum plus her momentum equals a nice bruise probably right here on my chest so head cold a little bit of a bruise just naturally tired with a seven month old who still doesn't sleep through the night so i'm just gonna you know throw that all out there i appreciate all of you being patient with me um and again i apologize for missing the show yesterday so let's talk about the padres first of all so the padres are not content with their catching situation I mean, it's I can't help but laugh because they've been throwing everything they can, right? They went out and traded for Francisco Mejia. Uh, trying to remember the catcher they took in the Rule 5 draft, Luis Torrens, right? Who they who was part of the trade for um, for Austin Nola. When Mejia didn't work, they went to Nola. They had hedges coming up through the system. They still have Luis Camp- Campesino, who's down there. And if you believe the talk, they're a team that's chasing Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, uh, according to the flawed but interesting MLB trade site, has a zero value. So uh, I would love to see what the Twins and Padres could put together. Because the crazy thing with the Padres is I know I know their pitching staff is a beat-up grouping. But right now, Chris Paddock and, uh, you know, uh, Dilson Lament, uh, I know I butchered it. Uh, go ahead, Andy. Let me know how I'm supposed to really say that. Are both projected as pen arms for them. Now, trading one of them for Sanchez is crazy, but maybe there's another deal that would make sense or maybe something where, like, Minnesota takes on a lesser piece. But all this is if Seattle, or Seattle, if San Diego adds a catcher, Austin Nola is the guy who could potentially be on the way out. Now, if they move on from him, because you don't go out and get another catcher and keep him. Like, that's just, that's just the truth of it. It would be silly. He has a lot of years of team control left. Um, I should pull out the exact numbers. I have my uh, my baseball savant data pulled up for uh, the Cardinals right now. That's why I'm just flipping back. But in terms of um, Nola, you know, he's 32 years of age, so he is older. But 
the data over here on Baseball Savant, 74th percentile, red for framing, sprint speed 30, max exit 52. Uh, you go back to 2020, the shortened season, I mean, everything is in the red. His chase rate was 96th percentile. Sprint speed is still low, um, and they don't really have the, the data on his catching. The, oh, no, framing was 91st percentile. Hard hit percentage, 73rd. Average exit, 65. I mean, it's just, it's all really good. Go back to 2019. Um, I think he was still an infielder then. Data isn't as great, but 2020, just phenomenal. But he is a solid framer, which we know is important to the Guardians. And in terms of team control, you have him for, uh, he's not even arbitration eligible until 2023. So you have him for 22, 23, 24, and 25. Four years of team control for him. You get him through his age 36 year. There's no point really with a catcher slash first baseman of considering him, um, you know, he's, he's took him a while to get some starts because he had a thumb issue, but still, if they are really looking, they added, um, San Diego also added before the lockout, Jorge Alfaro, Alfaro, if, uh, just in terms of catching depth. And again, they still have Luis Campesino there. They have so many interesting catchers and they're still not happy or content. And, you know, an interesting thing is if you look at that trade value site, if you take NOLA plus Myers, the difference in trade value is, a you know, because NOLA is like a 19 and Myers is a big negative, it's like a seven. So again, if we go back to what I've talked about in the past, this idea that uh, the Guardians value flexibility more than um, actual payroll, and with the payroll being as low as it is, if you were to go out and add like Myers and Austin Nola to get around that additional like 6.8 that you would owe them, half of that value could be like Ernie Clement. Where, again, we've talked about they have so many infielders on this team. Uh, it makes sense to move on from one of them. And Clement has options and things like that, which gives him more value than, say, um, uh, Yu Chen Chang. Had a mind shutdown moment there. So Clement gets you halfway there. Uh, maybe you could chip in. Obviously, you want someone else off the 40-man. Um, if you're getting Myers from them, I mean, Bradley Zimmer might be interesting. Back the other way, you know, he's... Uh, both him and his brother went to the University of San Francisco. He's got those big tools. Uh, feels like the Padres always kind of like toolsy types. Because uh, the one knock here is if they lose Myers, uh, you're already looking at like um, Matt Beatty, who they just acquired from the Dodgers, and Jackson Profar in left field, uh, which is not great, but that's what they're potentially having. Right field would then just be a big open spot of nothing. And that's probably the biggest thing that would block a Guardians Padres deal is the Padres probably biggest need right now is outfield. Just putting it right out there. Uh, they are in a situation where they just need their outfield situation is not much better than the Guardians. Um, you know, Gresham and center field is better than straw and Myers is better than the alternative, but like Quan versus Profar, I think pretty much anyone is going to take Quan. So, you know, there could still be a lesser deal to be worked out here in some form. I think Nola, if you're looking at another catching candidate, uh, is a really interesting player to consider, a really interesting potential target. Again, this is a team that is clearly, you know, Nola is not what they expected him to be. He has not lived up to what they wanted in San Diego. Uh, and again, last year in, you know, he was hurt, only 56 games, 194 plate appearances. His runs created plus was still 100, and he still brought defensive value. So he, he was a good defender, and he was a league average bat. I mean, that's still a really solid profile. So uh, it wasn't quite as big, and they paid a, you know, a pretty hefty price to add him. 
but I'm still kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if everything we're reading is true. And they're the team, you know, the Padres are chasing Contreras, they're chasing Sanchez. Clearly, they're ready to move on from Nola. If they do get a catcher, I think the Guardian should see what the cost on Nola is. I think he could be an upgrade. And we know these two teams have quite the trading history. And right now, like San Diego, I mean, how they don't have much minor league depth anymore. So I feel like, you know, I haven't studied their 40 man. I'll be honest. They do have a ton of pitchers right now, but I still feel like they're a team, especially as you know, it's the, when they just added uh, Beatty them himself, they moved Drew, uh, Drew Pomeranz to the 60 uh, day DL. They have some other players that can move around. I think they could be a team that, you know, uh, even if it's not swallowing a contract, like if you're the Guardians, you're like, okay, we've got all these other pieces. Jose Tenya is so far away. He's like our fourth shortstop. If you're going to consider moving him, like this is maybe the team that's willing to take that gamble because they can hold on to him for a bit. And then he could always potentially be a trade asset for them uh, as they get closer to the deadline. His value will continue to go higher. So I still think, and we know the teams have a long, I don't know if I want to say storied, but have quite the history of trades. So that was kind of trade idea one for potentially a way to upgrade the Guardians. I mean, I personally, I think catcher is the biggest hole in this team. Uh, Hedges is such a good defender, but he doesn't have any. I mean, he's got plus power. He just can't make enough contact to tap into that. So they need an upgrade to catcher. I think that's a very, you know, it's a it's a name that maybe we haven't heard as much. But again, if the Padres had a catcher, all of a sudden Nostanola becomes a player I think uh, the Guardians have to be in on. Multiple years of team control. Contract fits what they um, want slash need and it's a team they have been very active trade partners with i know i said i was going to talk about the cardinals here but i went too long in san diego so let's take a break come back and talk about the cardinals in segment three and our next sponsor is of course built bar one of my longtime favorite uh sponsors probably my favorite i'll be honest i know we shouldn't have favorites but i just love their product today i had um i had an eggnog i had a mini salted caramel and I had uh, basically their Oreo flavor, the white chocolate cookie. Uh, it's all fantastic. Right now, by the way, 20% off everything site-wide. Everything site-wide. Limited time offer. They have sold out of all of their new flavors. <laughs> are pretty much gone. Uh, we talked about recently the peanut butter fudge. Uh, I'm trying to remember the banana nut bread. Those are gone. But there's still all the fun f- uh, puff flavors, which are some of my favorite. The churro, the coconut, and the banana cream. Ruby chocolate is still around, as is the caramel almond delight that I just finished off my last one of those um, earlier this week. It is an A grade by my health food app, uh, and it is an A in my heart. I love this product. I use my own money to buy this product. I get tired of things. I never get tired of Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com today, and remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to save 15%. Uh, that's the deal I use. I use that promo code when I shop at BuiltBar.com. Remember, that promo code is LOCKED15. Okay, the Cardinals. So the Cardinals have a ridiculous amount of depth. And they went and added Albert Pujols, and we assume that Pujols and Dickerson are going to be their DH platoon, which is probably for the best because uh, Dickerson, I mean, I liked when, gosh, was it the Marlins who signed him? Uh, I mean, I was proven wrong. It hasn't been that successful wasn't that successful for them. He got kind of a small deal in free agency. And you look at this team, like, you know, t- I talk about my love of Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, Yadier Molina. The last seven, you know, the seven, eight, nine, like the weakest spots in that lineup, Corey Dickerson slash Pujols at DH, Paul DeJong at shortstop, who they're kind of stuck to that contract, and Harrison Bader, who offensively, yeah, you know, below average production, but he might be the best defensive center fielder in baseball right now. 
so like if they wanted to trade him, he would have value. I and you know, there's points where there's they looked at trying to play Dylan Carlson in center field. I don't know if they'll re- revisit that, but that depth is what stands out here because I think Pujols. How can you argue with it? Like maybe it's not the ideal form of um, management, but like I, I'm not going to argue with bringing back one of your all-time greats. Uh, who you know? Let's let's be honest. He's only going to play against lefties, and he was league average doing that last year for uh, the Dodgers. So it is what it is. It's not going to – you're not putting your best lineup out there. But I I think this is a team that's good enough to make the postseason. Maybe you do it for the regular season, and then you just kind of say, thanks, Albert, we're going to let some of these other players – because, you know, right now we'll get to the player that I want to talk about, but – if you remember my like under the radar targets, guys who I thought were like highly productive minor leaguers worth Juan Yepes, who was supposed to maybe get some opportunities first, third, and left field. Roster resource has him uh, listed. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to make this team now. Nolan Gorman's one of the top 25 prospects in baseball. Uh, third baseman, obviously, they're pretty set at third. So first baseman, oh yeah, they're set there too. There's been some talk of him potentially playing second base. Uh, you know, that I guess here's the thing if he moves to second base, could Tommy Edmond move to you know, again, is this where you do your outfield shuffle? Is this where you move Carlson to center and you put Edmond in left potentially? Um, that that could be something that works, uh, for them, but either way, it's like eventually Gorman's got to have a spot, and you know, he, he's a high, high value prospect. How about also, you know, you go past Gorman, uh, Brendan Donovan, who was their seventh round pick in 2018, who I also talked about as like one of the sleeper candidates in this system, one of the sleeper just in terms of production in the upper minors that you want to pay attention to. And then, I mean, you know, Alec Burleson, I liked quite a bit coming out of, he was ECU, I want to say. Connor Caples in camp with them, former Indians prospect. They've got some interesting arms. They've got a lot of good pieces. Uh, right now, though, the player that I. I'm most intrigued by is Lars Newtbar. Now, Lars Newtbar actually went the route after Brendan Donovan back in the day, 2018. And he was a, he's a California kid. He was a, I want to say a quarterback, a very good uh, high school quarterback. So, you know, that's kind of the level of athlete he is. He's a relatively big kid. I want to say he's like 6'3", a strong defender, had a good walk rate through, and he moved quickly, obviously, if he made it to the big leagues. In three years, because think about it, <laughs> there's no 2020. He's drafted in 2018, gets a partial season, 2019 partial season, no 2020. 2021, he ends up in the big leagues. Uh, he moved very quickly, and USC is another one of those programs where it's more like name value than production. Uh, it's been a while. Like a lot of guys go to USC and stagnate, or like I, I is it bad? I'm like, who's the last guy to go to USC and be good? You know, it's like I keep thinking about Kyle Hurt, who I believe got hurt at USC. I think he was at USC. I could be wrong there. That could be just a bad joke in my head. But, yeah, it's not, you know, trying to remember the catcher, Jeremy Martinez, who I think the Cardinals also drafted that I was super high on. Uh, Sometimes you want to draft from a program you know doesn't develop well because maybe there's more growth there. I've talked about that. That's the Notre Dame principle from their old coaching staff. But Lars Nupar has moved quickly through the minors. He's an eighth-round pick. I think got maybe under slot even in the eighth round. And he's, I don't think he's going to be a star, but he projects 
to you know be able to handle three outfield spots, be a above average defender in the corners, to above average to plus, and be about a league average bat. Like you know maybe he could be a 15 to 20 home run guy with on base percentage above league average. Like he walks at a good pace, doesn't strike out a ton. It was a small sample size a year ago. But still, there's enough there in terms of that sample size. And just as quick moving through the system, you're like, this is an interesting guy. Now, would the Cardinals move him and for what? Well, I think the first thing you kind of look at with the Cardinals in general um, is they're up the middle needs. Like It feels like they've been looking for a shortstop for forever. You know, they were linked to some of the guys in free agency. They didn't pull the trigger. Uh, I was asked about them for um, uh, Lindor, just out of brain melt moment and you know that didn't come together but they've kind of needed a shortstop for a while so I don't know like you know is uh Ahmad Rosario interesting enough should we let, let's do the pause go to the trade value site I do remember back talking with the uh, Cardinals guy and where I was discussing a Nick Plummer trade and then the name he asked for was like how does Zimmer play in the outfield like again people keep telling me and I know I saw I have a recent comment uh from Jagged Diesel, probably said your name wrong. Thank you uh, for the kind comments on my knowledge and my baby. But uh, he still has trade value. People still bring him up. Every time I talk to someone who is a writer or tied to another team, his name comes up. It's just like, it's, you know, tools live forever. Everyone thinks they can fix everyone. So the one problem I have uh, trying to figure out a deal here is Newt Bar is about a seven. It's like, who makes sense to go to the Cardinals? Because again, the Cardinals are a really good team. They're not really looking to add someone who's far off. Uh, you know, Edmund Sosa is a solid middle infielder. He's a backup. It's like, can they get a true upgrade at second base or at second base at shortstop? Uh, and that's that's really what you have to look at. It's like, is Rosario an upgrade for them? Uh, their bullpen, <laughs> their bullpen is a little weak. Uh, it is the like former uh, Guardians uh, du jour. You got Blake Parker, Nick Wickren, and TJ McFarland in that bullpen. The top with Cabrera, Gallegos is good. So Alex Reyes is hurt again, right? Yeah, Fred Labrum. Man, that guy just can't stay healthy. Um, you know, I liked Ryan Heasley. Hesley. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Jordan Hicks, man, he can really throw it again when he can stay healthy. Guardians aren't really in a position to trade bullpen arms so that doesn't really help out when you're looking at a deal uh starter wise it's like they could potentially use more i mean wainwright is what 40 uh miklos has been up and down as a starter steven Matz they gave some money to dakota hudson is a guy i see a lot of people predicting is like a breakout candidate woodford was a first round pick out of plant high school i want to say uh it and, you know, he's moved steadily through the system. Flattery, uh, shoulder bursitis, we'll see how long he is out for. And in terms of just their own prospects, uh, you know, it's not loaded with pitcher types, at least the ones who are close to the majors. I, I mean, I guess Zach Thompson is probably the closest of what Kentucky pitcher from a few years ago who just kind of fell to them in the draft. Um, I haven't really seen how he's performed recently. So it's like maybe you could work out a under and under uh, some kind of deal that involves a starter. Maybe you could work something out with a middle reliever um, in terms of a starter. Uh, I think I mentioned new bars about a seven. It's like, even if you look at the low end starter for the guardians, cause starters are so valuable. Like Rosario is still listed at a 19.1 uh, over on the uh, trade value site, which I, I don't know if that's the pay- place and police value is listed higher than Savali and Quantrell's like Quantrell is the low end starter in that rotation outside of like Eli Morgan. And I guess that's my question. 
at this point. Like, I like Morgan quite a bit. I think he does a lot of things well. I think he is potentially the next generation of Josh Tomlin. But could you could do it some kind of deal? Again, I don't know the Cardinals 40-man situation, but something around Eli Morgan going the other way, giving them another potential starter, someone who's had some starts, helping their depth. Uh, could it be something like Morgan and a Zimmer going back to give them some outfield depth? Uh, is that enough? Like, I mean, I do that tomorrow if I'm the Guardians because Newt can can back up all three spots and you just cleared a roster spot, which you desperately need to do. And I say that as someone who's a big Eli Morgan fan, uh, but right now I think that makes sense. And again, if <laughs> if there's really like a 12-point differential between Rosario and Newt whose name I'm probably getting wrong, so feel free to correct me out there. He is Dutch and Japanese, I believe, is the derivation of his name. So a difference of like 12 in value would be the equivalent of adding Dakota Hudson or Gallegos, their closer. So (laughs) again, I don't think it is quite that high, Um, but it's worth pointing out that's, that's, again, this is where the trade value site's kind of a bit wonky, if we are being honest in terms of trying to figure these things out, because I don't think it's that big of a difference. Um, you know, maybe ask for Mason Wynn, who I like dating back to his high school days. But yeah, it's, uh, I think Newt Bar, if they're willing to trade him, he makes a lot of sense. And that's even if you keep Quan, because then you got two outfield, you got your corner there, and then you can put straw in center and you have a really strong defensive outfield. You have three guys who could play center field. Uh, Newt Bar can be fine in, in, uh, right field. The arm's not necessarily plus, but it'll, it'll be good enough there. Again, he was a high school quarterback and, you get defense, you should get at least 100 runs created plus out of every single one of those spots, which, I, I mean, we haven't seen that in forever. And, yeah, I think Newt Bar is slowly becoming, like, the guy. I was kind of just digging uh, on my lunch break. Uh, his name popped up um, it just on Twitter, and I started digging and digging, and then I just kept digging more and more. And in time, I was like, okay, this is the guy. So tell me what you think. Newt Bar, Nola, apparently I'm only going for ends. Another long one. I can't keep these short uh, to save my life right now, but uh, I guess that kind of makes up for the one missed day. So while it's four this week instead of five, you're going to end up getting the same minutes as a typical show would with four. So yeah, we're going to be at like 37 minutes once they add in the last few ads. So I want to thank you all for listening, rating, and reviewing. I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, if you have a point you want to argue, if I butchered a name, or you just want to give me a mailbag question for the future, you can either leave it in the comments and I'll address it. You know, I spent some time at the front uh, talking with people who had left some comments in the YouTube. That's a big thing for us. I really want to push those subscribers up because honestly, that's the next way to help make this podcast grow. Um, any of those things that you can hit me up through the, like I said, the YouTube comments or through at my Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And as I end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.